Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Glass Talk. I'm Pat Flannery. Well, today we have a very special Glass Talk with uh, four of our panelists from our recent Top 10 Under 40 special feature that we ran in the August issue of the magazine. Um, we wanted to do one of these uh, because uh, it's always important to, to celebrate and recognize and promote and inspire uh, the next generation in the uh, glass and glazing industry. Uh, under 40 may not be uh, uh, that young, but uh, it's uh, younger than many of the uh, professionals in the industry today, uh, younger than me. And uh, I think uh, everybody enjoys uh, uh, hearing the stories of the of the, the next generation, the future leaders uh, that are coming along. Um, the people, as you hear, you'll hear on the uh, podcast, are already uh, very experienced and very knowledgeable leaders with uh, some great perspectives and insights uh, on the industry, and it was uh, really a lot of fun uh, to host them and, and bring this to you. Um, with me today are uh, were Corey and Blake Sanders from uh, Spandrel Tech, uh, Amit Balti from uh, High Performance Glazing, and Vincent Couturier from uh, Unicell. Um, so uh, all great uh, companies involved in, uh, in facade and uh, glazing manufacturing. Um, they, uh, they, they all have, uh, uh, top positions at their, at their companies are, uh, are, are presidents or, uh, or co-owners, uh, in many cases, uh, uh, COOs, that kind of thing. You'll hear, you'll hear their exact roles. Uh, we got into their, uh, their roots in the industry, how they, how they got involved, uh, in, in all of these cases, it was a family business, uh, that they became involved in. Um, but some of them, uh, uh left and came back and we talk a bit about that. Um, how they uh, how they feel that things are are different now than uh, maybe in their in their father's and grandfather's day. Um, we talked about uh, where things are going and how they see uh, things changing, and just had a lot of uh, sort of general industry talk with uh, I have to say a lot of laughs, which was uh, kind of fun. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with uh, four of our top ten under forty honorees here on Glass Talk. Get your swear words out now. Yep. Get all your cursing out. All right. That's all done. <laughs> Although everybody listening to this podcast has certainly heard it before, believe me. Anybody in the glazing industry yeah. should know a few good glazing ones. The glazing industry won't have a problem. That's where I learned uh, my best swear words. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, not, not from your father, Blake? All no, from your no, father. Yeah. Must have started you off. <laughs> He started with the earmuffs, but then it just yeah. like, uh, ah, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. All right, folks. Uh, hi, and uh, welcome to uh, Glass Talk. We've got kind of a, a special thing going on this time. We're uh, we're following up our uh, really uh, well. I liked it. Uh, the, the the top ten under forty issue, uh, featuring uh, people who, uh, according to uh, people like me, are young. Uh, I don't know how young they feel, but uh, uh, 40 uh, still seems, uh, seems young now. Uh, and certainly to a lot of you uh, listening out there in the, uh, in the glass industry, they're still young if they're under 40. Uh, and, uh, and we wanted to get uh, some of these uh, folks on to talk about uh, their experiences in the industry and, 
and just give us uh, uh, get, get 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 some perspective on uh, on on where things are and where they're going, and uh, and just get to know some of these uh, fine individuals better. So um, let's uh, we'll, we'll we'll just go uh, around here uh, quickly with some introductions. I I think it's probably easiest instead of me. Uh, uh, fumbling and bumbling over titles and 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 everything. Uh, if each of you just introduce yourselves, so uh, Corey Sanders, let's uh, start with you. Tell us uh, uh, a bit about yourself and uh, and I guess Fandral Tech, your company. Uh, so I'm Corey Sanders. I'm uh, Vice President of Operations at Spandrel Tech. We're an architectural panel manufacturer. Uh, do exterior cladding, curtain wall components, basically you name it. We fab it if it's out of metal. Um, I'm third generation in this industry, along with my brother, Blake, and uh, you, know, you can give me condolences for that later. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, and yeah, Blake and I together, along with our mom, are uh, running Spandrel Tech and day-to-day -day operations. Fantastic. Blake, uh, chime in, I guess. Uh, well, Corey's kind of talked a bit about Spandrel Tech, but uh, go ahead and uh, maybe, maybe give us some of your background and, uh, and uh, what you're doing at the company. Uh, I'm Blake. Um, obviously my brother just went before me, so he kind of outlined the company, but yeah, we're an architectural company. We do a curtain wall, everything like that. And then I work actually alongside my mom on the finance aspect of it. I work with Corey as well to help manage all our employees and keep this business running smoothly. Um, as he mentioned ish, before, ish. at times <laughs> in the summertime, it gets pretty crazy. Um, we're both third generation hardworking individuals so just want to keep it going and uh yeah my brother's on the production side i'm on the business side fantastic and their and their father wes sanders just got uh, a lifetime achievement award from the uh, blast and metal association so uh, uh congratulations to wes if you're listening which he probably will because both of his sons are on this thing uh vincent uh let's go uh, out to you at unicell tell us uh tell us a bit about yourself and uh in unicell so um, I'm co-president of Unicell, along with my brother, who couldn't make it today because he just had a baby about 12 or 6 hours ago, uh, but he wish he'd been there. So Unicell is a curtain wall manufacturer. We do aluminum curtain wall and timber curtain wall, and we also make specialty glass. Uh, we're specialized in, in between the glass lines and movers that we sell mainly to uh, the American market, and we're based out of uh, Montreal, Quebec. Fantastic, Vincent. Um, so that. in terms of my job as a co-president, sounds good. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, Vincent. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. We got a bit of a lag on your line, but we'll uh, we'll see if we can deal with it. I was going to say specifically, sorry, sorry. So my uh, my brother handles sales and engineering mainly, and I do operations and finance. And so basically, he's everything before the PO, and I'm everything post-PO. Um, and we intertwine a little bit as well. Fantastic, Amit. Let's uh, let's go next to you and uh, tell me uh, tell me a bit about yourself and uh, HPG. Sure thing. So uh, Amit Belti at High Performance Glazing. Uh, we do everything um, mainly in glass, from cutting, tempering, IG, spandrel, tip tech, laminated, heat soaking, the works. You know, you name it. Parts uh, of all sorts of customers from windows to doors to shower door companies. Um, we're a supply only company. So we fabricate the glass, ship it to either factories or to job sites. And then my role is mainly uh, VP and I oversee the production and also the office team. 
Um, always, always interesting, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys. So, mm -hmm. so next, next uh, on the agenda was how did you get into the glass industry? Um, uh, uh, Blake and Corey, we we, we kind of know that you were born into it. Uh, <laughs> our parents, our parents needed their own laborers. They couldn't yeah, find anybody, so they made some. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's cheap labor. Cheap, cheap labor. labor right. Ten years old. Cheap labor, slave labor. Yeah, it was uh, it, it, very much like that. Uh, did either of you uh, at any point uh, try to get out and then get sucked back in? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I did, actually. Well, I didn't try and get out. I, my, our sister is, she's out. She, uh, right. she saw the light at the end of the tunnel there. But uh, I got out, and then when I was in university, kind of just realized that Corey and I have this opportunity that 99% of people do not have, where you can very quite easily become your own boss. And so I decided while I was still doing my undergrad in, um, in the medical industry, while I was still doing my undergrad, I decided that that's probably not for me and I'm going to jump in and run with this one. We also had a bit of a, um, I'll say family emergency where I was also kind of thrust into it where if I didn't do it, we did, wouldn't know where Spangle Tech would be today. Uh, Corey and I were kind of, we just had to jump in overnight and pick up and run with this because my parents were not able to do so at the time. Right, right. That, that, they had a car accident, right? Was yeah, that a motorcycle. Yeah. motorcycle accident? Yeah, a motorcycle accident. Yeah, I, yeah. So, I remember overnight, hearing it's, overnight. It's literally, oh, they're in the hospital. So, Corey, Blake, you're, you're up. Keep this train going. And ever since then, we haven't looked back. Unbelievable. What, 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 just while we're on it, what, what were the early days of that like? I mean, I mean, awful. <laughs> awful. I can't tell you how many times Corey and I, I think, have had mental breakdowns in the office trying to figure out, well, not only where one person left off, so where my mom left off or where my dad left off, because Corey picked up my dad's, I picked up my mom's away we go but it's not only just trying to figure out where they left off but they've got 30 40 years of expertise in the industry and at the time i was 20 Corey's 23 it's like i have basically what my parents taught me from when i could walk until 20 but you're not really listening to your parents growing up um whatever they taught us you're trying to constantly remember and it's like oh yeah they probably taught me that for a reason so it was incredibly tough the first couple months but then once you kind of get into the flow of things you it's it's about having confidence in the decisions that you've made yeah and for me it was um actually ironically so the when when that accident happened i was actually here working it was a saturday night and i was working late and uh, I had literally just finished, I was welding a part and I just finished cursing my father's name because he didn't put the welding torch back where he was supposed to put it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And then I get the phone call and I went and uh, yeah, we, we hauled down to Sunnybrook where they were and between, you know, my, my parents' information and all that we could get, we got basically wrote down on the back of a, uh, basically a menu or something like that. Where did where do we leave off? What do we need to know to try and get as much information from my dad as possible? 
And then it was like 6 a.m. the following day, the following Sunday, like we were in here gearing up and going. And then it's like, how do you tell, you know, 30 people at the time that are working for this company? Yeah, don't worry. The top two people aren't here, but we got this. We're, yeah, we're 23 and 20, but we got you. Don't worry. And uh, how do you convince, uh, you know, customers and suppliers and stuff to have confidence that you guys can keep that train rolling? So, yeah, it was a lot of like, you know, negotiating and bluffing and, just acting like you know what you're doing when Whatever realistically you do, speaking, yeah, yeah, on the fly, on the fly learning, on the fly, you know, coming up with decisions, trying to make commitments on stuff you've never done before. And then just going, oh, well, that wasn't good. I'm not going to do that one again. And then just keep moving and keep moving, get to the next week, get to the next week, get to the next week. And then meet with the accountant and say, how much do I have to make to keep this train rolling every week? And he goes, this much. And he's like, all right, that's what we're going for. And just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. Wow. Vincent, anything uh, so dramatic in, uh, in your entry <laughs> into, the, uh, <laughs> into the industry? I mean, wow, guys, props to you. This is, this is an incredible story. This is amazing. Uh, um, so my dad had the company and he sold it um, to a fund. So uh, he ta taught me some ropes before uh, retiring, I guess. Um, so nothing in that, uh, we, we've had the, we, I started as a production engineer and then I grew my way up to co-president. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I had it easy. Good job to you guys. This is incredible. <laughs> wow. We had a pretty solid foundation built for us to stand on. So it was really more just keep the boat moving. Yeah. Thank you though. Amit, uh, how did you get into the glass industry? So my father actually uh, originally was an installer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, with Allen Windows. Now it's uh, yeah. BB Glazing. Yeah. He was an yeah. installer for them. And he uh, became very, very uh, close, very tight with the owner at the time, uh, Allen. And he started his own company. He, he helped him out with machinery and stuff like that. He started Regal Aluminum. If you guys are familiar, Regal Windows and Doors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he was buying glass a lot from competitors of ours. Um, and he became eventually the biggest uh, customer of some of these competitors for tempering, for IG, whatever it may be. And he started uh, another facility for glass, just for cutting sheets of fixed glass and whatnot. And then he saw a demand in it. So he started tempering IG, old school style swiggle and stuff. It's very old. Uh, and then for the first 10 years of HPG, he was just supplying himself with glass. And then he started uh, to supply other customers as well. Uh, at the time I was in university. Also, I had no, uh, no plans to come in the business. I, I wanted more. Uh, I went to school for business and I wanted, you know, to work in a corporate job suit, go to work nine to five, not stay till eight, 9 PM. I'm sure like these other guys do. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I came in a couple summers. I, you know, one summer became two and I'm still here, I guess. <laughs> but I started also yeah, cutting glass, doing deliveries, uh, working machines. I think the whole automation part of it really uh, intrigued me because I'm very uh, tech savvy. And yeah, and, and my brothers still run Regal and I supply them, but they're one, just one of my customers where actually we don't work out of the same uh, facility. Right. Awesome. So at some, at some point, I mean, uh, uh, something about the industry uh, 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 must have appealed to you. you. You mentioned the automation. Was was this just something you you didn't know you had in you that, that some of the engineering was interesting to you? For sure. For sure. When I came here, we were cutting, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen, if you guys have been to glass shops, we were dropping sheets, cutting by hand, 
So we started with one cutting table automatic and we started with a Pharrell IG line and, you know, that really uh, intrigued me. And, you know, every day, uh, you know, every, every day, every week, every month, I try to, you know, improve more automation and still keep our, our employees. It's uh it's a great job. You know, once, once I come to work, I love it. Obviously some days I don't like my other guys here, um, but I don't know it's, it's fun. It's exciting. My, my wife would say otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what can I do? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Anyone nice. who's not in the industry, it's uh, not as exciting to them. Or we'll go yes. around and I'll point out, oh, we did that building. Or well, we how many times do you look at a space or to see who made the glass? Oh, the, all the time. The color of the spandrel. Bitch about the splines on the panel. That spline seam shouldn't be there. That should be over there. Yeah, That's going to be on vacation up. looking at it. And she'll be, yeah. What are you uh, doing? Yeah, we, uh, I was in Chopper's Drug Mart the other day and they had perforated panels on the inside of their buildings. And uh, my fiance was just like, what are you doing? And I was like, those perforations are different. And she's like, what? I was like, that panel doesn't match that one. She's like, why do you notice this stuff? Yeah. It's, like, well, funny it's, for, it's funny in our DNA. Funniest one for us was uh, I, we did the Harry Rosen building in downtown Toronto at the Eaton Center. And like, it's this crazy striped thing with a feature band around the windows and all mm -hmm. of that stuff and i messed up the drain holes on one panel and it's like set back by a half an inch and when they did the grand reveal and everything it was like oh it looks so great whatever i was like all i see is that, that <laughs> drain yeah. that's, that's all i saw no one, it's like, it except for you no one will yeah. see it but i i saw it i still see it to this day of course <laughs> funny stuff yeah i think gonna... i think between between all of us we can construct a nice building yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a good point. Someone to install it. Yeah, it's true. We've got it. That's right. We've got a pretty much a whole facade fabrication team here. If you mm -hmm. uh, if you <laughs> add it all up, right? We got yeah, the we do everything around the windows. Amit does the windows. Yeah, yeah. The windows too. Yeah. I was going to say glass. your. Uh, I guess your father retired, but your brothers can install for us. Yes. They do, yeah. They, they do installation. Mostly Regal does uh, retrofit. So they'll go in, got a building, and put new windows, railings, patio yeah. doors. What? That, that that's awesome. We're gonna start a. Uh, we're gonna. This might be the start of a, something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we got the next old castle sitting here or something. What are, oh, yeah. what are the what are the ages right now? Sorry. Um, oh, I, I'm sorry. I was saying. What are the what are like all our ages? Good question, uh, Corey. I'm 31. Blake. I'm uh, I'm 28. Ah, 29. Means 29. Nice. Vincent, I know I got somewhere. I I uh, I'm not sure. Anyways, he'll be back. Actually, don't, we'll let, don't don't let me be the old guy here. I can't deal with that. And so far, you are, Corey. <laughs> I think you are. Corey. <laughs> but we'll see what Vincent says when he gets back on here. I spent most of my life being the young guy. Come on, let me have this. Yeah, exactly. Blake, what did Wes used uh, to what did, what did Wes used to talk about and go on about that 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 just that it, it just ain't that way anymore. Uh, well, he does, he didn't used to talk about it, but he still does. <laughs> and it's, uh, when he walks into our office and he looks around and he doesn't know how to operate anything. <laughs> he, uh, he's a man that if you give him a hand drill and a set of 10 snips, he'll build you a panel or he's really, really in love with his old mechanical punch press machines. 
And nowadays it's everything is streamlined. It is all, it used to be about, um, you have a couple decent orders, you pump them out, you got your loyal customers, but now it's just mass quantity. How much can you physically get out of your building and finding ways to do it faster. We found ways with computers, digitize everything, calendars, schedules, uh, accounting, payrolls. Um, now we've got digitized programs for CNC machinery, bringing in CNC machinery in itself, because in our parents' age, that was, I'm going to say, I don't think CNC started coming around until late 80s, maybe. And our family didn't really get into it until... Uh, I don't know. Corey, you'll know probably better than I was because you were alive back then. 87 um, was 87 is when we got the LBD, but that was that was a break press. Uh, it was early. It was like 2000 when the turret came in. Yeah. 2001 when the uh, the second press came in. And then, yeah, yeah basically it's, from there on, it's just gone nuts. The big change that why I see in our industry is, first off, it's exploding because everyone has we're running out of room land-wise. In our area, specifically in the GTA, you're running out of room. So what do they do? They build up. And when they build up, that means curtain wall. Yeah. So it's exploding in that aspect, but it's also exploding in the technology aspect of how can we do this more efficiently and how can we do it faster? Yeah. And those are big, and those are big focuses uh, 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 today. I think uh, uh, maybe more than they always. Not not that you know, everyone wanted to be fast and efficient uh, all, all all along, but uh, re really the possibilities for pro better productivity are, are 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 better than uh, than than I think they used to be. And and maybe the um, how would I put it, the 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 focus on being ex extremely meticulous uh, uh, with the with the craftsmanship. Not, not that you, not that you're building. Well, that's just it. The machinery allows you to build to a level of quality that, uh, that you know, and and still do it faster. It uh, also allows you to have the least amount of human error possible. Because mm. when you have back in our parents' day, it's I remember they would get a sheet with math calculations on it, and now I'm three clicks of a button and I can do what they do did in half an hour. I'll do in forty five seconds. Yeah. So it's just the least amount of human error allows you to have the least amount of bad products going out your door or the least amount of issues on job sites. And they can just put them on the building with, uh, with ease, with ease. Yeah. 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 That's a big, that's a, I think that, I think the productivity and the, and the focus on it is a, is a big change for sure. Amit, uh, uh, same thing to you. Uh, uh, What's uh, what's changed uh, these days uh, uh, versus uh, stuff you you might have heard your dad talking about in the past and uh, and 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 what's different now? I would say mainly the pricing. Some ah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear him talk about how much he paid for you know a block of six mil clear, and I tell him today how much we're paying. You know, sometimes I I feel bad telling him like what well, we pay and what customers pay. He's he's in shock. He's like people are paying this. <laughs> he gets upset. <laughs> um and then mainly like uh like what uh, sorry uh, blake yeah yeah i'm saying about uh the automation I, I remember i was a kid i would come uh, on sundays to help him out i was i was very young 10 11 years old and you'd be optimizing you know buildings or or projects whatever it may be and he was doing everything by hand now we have a full erp system it's it, it's you know it's 
like a whole different generation that he 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 understands it, but he never does it. Not that he should really. Uh, and then certain machines, you know, we went to uh, a glass show a couple of years ago and I saw a dip tech that applies ceramic frit onto glass. So for bird, bird friendly glass lines, he's like, we'll never need this in our life. You're never going <laughs> to buy this machine. Two years later, the machine was on my floor <laughs> doing bird, doing dots and already uh, like another one. But, because uh, you have to. Because you he'll, have to. he'll, he'll, he'll probably to. never admit that you were right either. <laughs> yeah, me, me and my brother were trying to convince him. And he said to me in, in Hebrew, my, my dad speaks Hebrew. He said, uh, when hair, it doesn't trend well, but when hair grows on the, on my hand, you'll have that machine. And literally <laughs> yeah. two, year, two years later, we had that machine on our floor. Also um, out of spite, just because he said, you're not going to need it. I'm doing it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's one of our best machines. It's working all the time. Like it's in Toronto. I'm sure you guys see it. The buildings, they always yeah. need the, the dots. It's, yeah. it's amazing. But yeah, just, just things like that. And if the birds ever start hitting the pans, you're uh, you're, you're going to need it on the spandrel too. But they haven't uh, they haven't quite gotten to that point of pan. I guess I guess they can see that. But they, I'm sure they'll come up with something eventually. Yeah, they'll come up with something, right? There'll be some save the bugs. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's it. Uh, I mean, on the uh, on the on the on the pricing part, is it um, like? Do you think that's just inflation numbers, and and he's just shocked at the at the actual numbers, or or is is the stuff actually more expensive as a percentage of the project than it used to be? It's definitely more expensive, but I, I think it's more inflation. But yeah, it, it all goes hand in hand. You know, we pay more to our to our employees for for the building, for the overhead, and also for the product. Just everything. I, I'm sure these guys see it as well. It's especially in the past two three years, the, the numbers oh we're God. seeing. It's not normal. It's, I yeah. sometimes uh, I quote projects and I send it to my customers and I'm like, does this look right? Like, you know, you, 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 you do a double take sometimes just to make sure your numbers are right. It's, I know I, I, know. Uh, I was, I don't normally quote. We have our inside sales rep that does mm -hmm. 99% of our quoting, but when he goes on vacation, it's, I'm the only other one that does it. And so he didn't take a vacation for the start of COVID. And then, so we're, this is back, I'm gonna say, I wanna say January-ish when we were in the thick of things, uh, January, 2021. And I had to do the quoting and it's just a simple back pan job. And I looked, came out with my price and I had to do a triple take on my number. And then I had to physically go up to Corey's office. And I was like, ah, I don't know, kid. did I do my math wrong somewhere? Because this cannot possibly be the number per square foot of what a backpack cost. At our parents' yeah. age, it was $4 a square foot. It's more than tripled that. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know when it's going to end. The yeah. percentage is but, fine, but it's just too yeah. much, the jump. The, the just... percentage, our margins have not changed, but the number keeps going up just because, well, Corey can attest to this one, the cost of steel coming into Canada is outrageous. But it all yeah. depends where you get your product and what it is. But you know, there was the supply chain issues don't help anybody. Like that's no. that's for in my opinion, one of the driving factors behind you know prices going up and things going crazy is is essentially supply chain. And uh, a lot of what happened, especially for us, is like you know, um, as you know, the last two years progressed or whatever, China kind of turned turned around and said, "Well, screw you to the rest of the world." And because of that, all of a sudden 
you know, the North American kind of governments have spent the last 40 years building up the infrastructure in China and building up the industries in China to be able to supply and export to North America to meet our demands. And then all of a sudden you have this major exporter sit back and say, well, you know what? Screw you guys. We're not going to do it anymore. or We're not going to take this or we're not taking scrap and we're not doing that. And all of a sudden there's a massive shortage. And we have to, when, we have to build more in Canada. Yeah, it's well, it's supply and demand. What happens when yeah. there's no supply, but there's still demand? It goes up, the price of everything goes up. Or when the, and then the other side the, of the, the coin is when it shuts down. Well, when the price of things go up, in all likelihood, people don't want the price to go back down. If you know you can sell X for you know 15 bucks, yeah. Even when 100%. your supplies start to go back down, you're like, I, I still know I can make this much on this product. So it's it's and it's we're, we're far enough down the chain that you got like seven or eight layers before the products necessarily get to us to manufacture. So yeah, it's just up and up and up and up and up. And it's only in the last like couple of months where things from a supply chain perspective seem to be getting a little easier. Uh, materials are starting to become yeah, more and more available. And uh, yeah, I'm not scrambling. Like there was two months, I couldn't find 60 inch wide galvanized steel. You have any idea how hard it is to run a backpan manufacturing company? If you can't get a 60 inch wide blank of steel, it, it split, spot weld, throw this in, tape it together. I don't care what you do, get it done. Yeah. Hey folks, it looks like we got Vince back with us now. Vince, how you doing? Let's hear you. Yeah, how is it? How is it? Is it good? Oh, oh he's that's perfect. He's in the sauna he, now. Yeah, he's I in mean, the sorry, sauna. After two years of COVID, you guess I would have figured it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, sorry. It's the it's the construction holiday here in Quebec, and as you may know, you're all shut down, so I'm, oh. I'm out of town. Um, but uh, yeah, you, what you guys have been saying is really interesting. I mean, price rise. You guys have probably all seen the lovely increases we've got in the last month or two, right? Um, that would be another topic to discuss for sure. For us, it's also the aluminum lead times. We're getting almost a year lead time long for local extruders, which is it's insane. Like, I don't see how they managed to go that high. Um, and um, I was, I, I first started saying when I, when I got on, what I see a lot that changes the project management side on the job sites. Um, I was saying our project managers are, we're almost going to start our um, hiring lawyers now, just not just good old project managers. We really see that the whole general contractor pleasure relationship is, especially in the public sector in Quebec is gone it's, it's pretty wild in terms of whose fault is what, and everybody's trying to throw the ball to someone else, and it's creating longer product, well, actually construction times. Um, and I really think something needs to happen if we want to have a more streamlined construction industry in terms of glazing. Um, but uh, yeah, price increase is pretty tremendous right now, for sure. That that raises it, yeah. It, none other, none other than the CEO of Ellis Don uh, was uh, was uh, complaining about that very thing, Vincent. Uh, uh, believe it or not, in a in a talk I saw him giving, uh, uh, I guess about a year ago, uh, about how uh, you know it used to be handshakes and who you know and and, and this kind of thing, and and everything is turning into uh, uh, legalese. And and I, I heard the same thing at an OCS conference. A guy said. Like I said, I think the buildings are being built by lawyers and and, and not uh, and and not uh, construction uh, yeah. experts anymore, right? It's it's yeah. it's weird. What what accounts for that? Is it is it is it the insurance industry insisting on uh, stuff? 
Well, projects have definitely gone more complicated over the last 20 years. There's a lot more involved. Um, just in the facade industry, we're seeing a lot of building envelope um, engineering firms now. Um, it, it's gotten more complicated and bigger. So that makes the whole, I guess, the whole project a lot um, more litigious. Um, sadly, our project manager starts taking note at the minute they're not, they cannot access a certain area just to be able to have some backup in case we get back charged for some delays or something. And it's sad, but I don't see a way out for now for, I mean, for medium to short term. Well, yeah. you hit a good, you hit a good point there with, uh, you know, things are getting more complicated. Like, you know, technology is, is a blessing. Like we, we've all probably benefited from technology, but on the flip side of that argument is the fact that there are designs and buildings and stuff being built and manufactured now that would never have been possible 20 years ago. And along with that comes the, the liability of it. Like you've got a rendering or something of a building and say, Oh, this, this will work. And you've got engineers saying this will work. And then you've got, you know, guys down the line are going, well, that, that, that probably won't work or whatever. And that kind of stems the, the uh, liability thing and everybody's protecting their own job and protecting themselves in that scenario. And like you said, it's very, I don't forget the word litigious or whatever it was, yeah. but uh, litigious, litigious. Thank you. Litigious. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it, my French. Yeah, <laughs> But it's, it's, uh, it, it's very true. Like you've got these designs that people are trying to achieve and these architects that are, they want to see this come to fruition and, you know, when it's the first time doing something, nobody really knows the best way to do it or the best way to achieve that design. And then that's where people start to protect themselves. Like if this goes south or if this doesn't work or if this goes way over budget, I can't be the one responsible for that. So you never know with an email who's been blind CC'd on that. You never know that long list of 30 emails that are CC'd on every single one, who that is or who's, who's following this thread. So it's a very, it's a vicious cycle. And you're right. I have no idea how it's going to stop. We get stuff all the time where it's uh, like a we'll send we'll get quote requests coming in. My sales rep will quote it, send out the uh, the quote. We get the purchase order and it comes through. And I once it comes through, it gets to me. And I'm trying to figure out what really this is. And I'm looking at it as like we did not quote this. And then I come back and I'm like, you've got curved stuff and radius stuff and. This is like infinitely more complicated than what you told my sales rep. The price is going up. And then what happens to that? The price goes up for the curtain wall guys. Well, it's a condo building. What does that mean? The condos are now the price of each one is going up. And then so everybody and their brother gets involved. It's just a trickle down to the who gets shafted. It's the person who bought the condo. Hmm. Unfortunately, yes. That's well, that's what we've seen, right? That's why you're seeing condos in Toronto six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Or the or they want the world, but they don't want to pay the prices. Exactly. A certain customers, how quick can you get me this? I send them the price and then they're like, No, 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 no. I can't uh yeah. it's on the budget. Yeah, exactly. Now another another point that came up there, uh, and, and that's that's good stuff on that on the litigiousness of everything these days. Uh, the, the other thing that, uh, that came up there now is, uh, you know, with the pricing and this particular uh, inflation uh, situation that we're in, uh, it, it's a good one for this podcast because I'm probably sitting here with a bunch of guys 
who are too young to remember a supply side recession uh, or a supply side uh, a stagflation type situation, right? Every recession uh, for the last 30 years has been a demand side, usually some misalignment of interest rates with demand. And, and, and you just end up with it. You end up with a slowdown or a, a, you know, pe people unable to buy uh, uh, as much stuff as they would like for a period of time, right? But, but it's, all at the, it's all on the demand side. It's all, on the, it's all on the what people are willing to spend side versus their wages. Now, this is the first time since probably the 70s, we've actually had a supply choke off, right? Where, where, where everything is coming from the, from, from the, from the other end of the ledger and it's, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty different. Uh, I, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny because this, this, this was, <laughs> you guys are getting this and I thought I'd never see one again because <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it's, we're getting it's, it's that right long. after COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to COVID. Exactly. You know, like it's right literally after. all these people. Well, you, you guys probably all saw it, right? So many people wanted to order, right? The phone didn't stop ringing. It was never a problem finding the business, right? It's actually a problem now of fulfilling the contract. If, yeah. if, if it got the business yes. in the first place, right? Well, it, it just, for, for us in particular, it jumped from, um, you know, you know, insulation became a problem. You couldn't find insulation. Then steel became a problem. You couldn't find steel. Then aluminum became a problem. And, you know, it just was, it was such a prolonged thing that, you know, from one supplier to the next, to the next, to the next right down to toilet paper. Like yeah. we couldn't find toilet paper at one point in time. And it's like, yeah, it's just literally, it's been a prolonged effect. And now it got up to paint where paint was like, you know, eight, 10, 12 weeks to get paint is just such an insane thing to try mm. and navigate and keep your business moving. We Especially when you had, you had the orders, you got the orders. We yeah. battled through that. And now there's talks of us being on the verge of this recession coming in. It's like, I just did two and a half years of awful. I do not want to do another two and a half years of awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you ever, um, uh, Amit, did you guys ever have to, uh, ever have to turn anyone away? Sorry, can't, can't get it to you? Uh, definitely. There's some new customers that uh, I've had to turn away. Yeah. For sure. I've never, you know, in my 12, 12, yeah, 11, 12 years being here, I never had to turn away customers, but I'd rather be upfront with them in the beginning and tell them, you know, eight, yeah. 10, 12 weeks lead time. And you know, some guys are, they're used to the two, three, four week lead time, like previous uh, years. It's unfortunate. It's, it's, the it's supply chain really affected us. It's painful. It is, in yes. Business. I, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that ain't how we're wired. Right. I mean, uh, you, uh, you got it, you got to take it and you got to help people out when they come to you because that, mm -hmm. that's the relationship you're going to rely on uh, down the road. And uh, you know, it's a, uh, it, it's a tough one. How, how about, how about you guys, Vincent? You had to, have you had to walk away from anything or? Our credit wall division has been sold out for 2022 since March, 2022. So the uh, answer is yes. <laughs> you know, basically our estimators were just, if you want something this year, just we're not going to do it. We're, we're sold out. And we've also decided to only take jobs that we are comfortable doing and margin wise also increased, uh, which was beneficial, beneficial for us. Um, but we really decided to only do more of a pick and choose on the jobs we, we were doing, uh, which figured, which which was good. Uh, but we're now seeing a little down. I think we're seeing things slow down. Luckily for us, the backlogs are full for, I guess, pretty much everyone. But 
uh, that will that will make it last for the next couple of years. Well, hopefully, um, but for sure things are going to slow down because things have been so hectic. Uh, we've said no. Um, now we we're actually doing what we call expedite jobs, which we never do, did before. Meaning clients will increase their actually pay more just to get the jobs out faster and faster than others. Um, we didn't want to do that before, but now some clients actually even propose to pay other clients to have their production slots, um, which is something I've never thought of, um, but it, it happened. Um, but it were really, I really expect Q1, Q2 of 2023 to be a lot slow, not slower uh, in terms of production, but slower in terms of uh, bookings coming in, um, which at one point needs to, needs to happen and if we want to stay healthy because the last years have been just you gotta breathe just yeah, yeah. I, I i don't i don't see it ryan come to the office please ryan i'm Sorry. on my way <laughs> well the the interesting thing on that is like uh, we adopted the phrase of we'd rather you we'd rather you have your product and be happy than not have your product and be upset with spandrel tech yeah. And we, I've had to say that more times than I can count and go back to a meets thing. It's 12 weeks. I'll get it to you in 12 weeks. But if you can't wait the 12 weeks, then you'll have to get it from somewhere else and be upfront with them at the beginning. And all of us are far enough in the construction cycle that uh, we can actually, you know, see as long as buildings are being built, we all kind of know that our livelihood will be okay. You know, the building starts pouring now, you know, for the next two years, that thing's going to keep going and keep going, barring some type of the money completely dries up and the building gets half finished, but that very rarely happens. So we're in a very fortunate industry in the glazing industry where you can pretty well see, you know, what your next year or two years is going to look like based off of what the construction boom is. And you can kind of cater yourself and move yourself and you know, research, okay, well, this city slowed down a bit, but it, the, these towers are coming up over here. Or Daily commercial news says this is happening and that's happening. And you can kind of try and jockey yourself a bit. Well, I wanted to, to touch on that. To your quota. That's a great, great, um, great point where figuring out the different areas that are about to explode and take off, because what we saw in 2020 and 2021, because Canada for thanks to COVID and our um, regulations, our construction did slow down. I mean, I think you said you supply to the States more or that was- We, we supply actually, yeah, to, within Canada and to the States, we ship yeah. uh, glass. And it's like our Canadian sales dropped hugely, but that's because construction in Canada was literally at a screaming halt. Unless that foundation was poured, you weren't allowed to dig a hole in the ground. You weren't allowed to continue. At least that's what it was for my house because I ended up buying my house, ironically, just before uh, I was the last foundation to be built before all the shutdowns. So our Canadian sales dropped while the Americans, they just took right off. And now we're seeing Can Canadians are bouncing back where we're seeing more and more Canadian orders coming through the doors, but you still want to tailor to that American sales as well. You get a taste of both worlds, right? You want the world, but you can't have both. Well, you can, but just not massive amounts of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Vincent's point is well taken too. That uh, that uh, it it'd be good if uh, if uh, you know things slow down sort of organically uh, a little bit, maybe next year, um, uh, rather than you know 
uh, Bank of Canada having to do something crazy with interest rate or crazier with interest rates. I, I mean, it's uh, th that that those aren't the measures anybody wants to see. And I don't know. A, a, another guy at a at a conference said the best cure for high prices is high prices. Uh, so uh, you know that might be. Uh, hopefully, the situation will will resolve itself. But it, but it's only gonna, it's only going to happen if the supply chain issues can ease off a little bit. Anyways, that's. Yeah, I think I can. I think I can speak for all of us where I say that you know. You know, Vince has got a good point. You know, it needs to slow down and we can all breathe for our own health. But I guarantee every one of us on that call, as soon as the lead time starts shortening or picking up the phone and going, no, 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 no. We got to get more in here. Come on. We're used to two years booked out. We got to keep going. So we're, 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 all, we're all our own worst enemies. I would just add a little note to that. I mean, for us, the labor shortage has been pretty hard. I mean, I think harder than the supply chain. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, basically like our, our, two, <laughs> yeah. arms, two arms, two legs, two eyes. We we can hire you. We 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 just need people. Like it's it's insane. And sadly, I think I've seen it a lot of my suppliers. And I hope not for us, but I think quality has gone down for a lot of people because they're just hiring new people. Training times are shorter. Uh, we try not to, but sadly, I think I've seen it from some of my suppliers. Um, it affects quality for sure. Um, so we really need new labor coming in, but also more training to make them work as good as it used to before that whole situation happened. Now, this is, th this is great because, because I was just on it. I, I just recorded another podcast with uh, Robert Bronk, who's uh, uh, possibly even older than me, uh, the uh, CEO of uh, Ontario Construction Secretary. And we were talking about labor supply and, uh, and, and we were talking about the kids these days and why we can't get them into the trades and uh, why we can't uh, find any find anybody who, who who wants to work. And here I am with a group of uh, well, not kids, but anyways, younger people than me. I'll and, take it. Uh, I'll take it. And, yeah. and and I yeah, exactly. I want I want to hear I want to hear from the group. Uh, what what is it with the kids these days, and why aren't they getting into the trades? Bla uh, uh, Corey, start us off. Oh, it was a bad person to start with. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's about to go on his rant. <laughs> Awesome. See, I get the joy. I get the joy of being the one who has to try and keep the line moving. Like that's, that's, that's my daily struggle. It's like you, you sit down and you've got, you know, 30 plus names that you write down every single day and like our, we're custom fabrication. So we're moving people around and like, okay, this guy, this day is going to do that. And then you come in, it's like seven or eight guys calling sick or just no shows or, Oh, I don't want to work or whatever. And like, there's like the, the problem in my opinion is it's so multi-layered. Um, number one, you had the government paying people to stay home for two years, which was awful because all of a sudden people are like, well, why would, why would I go work when I can make two grand just to sit in, in the basement and watch TV all day or whatever? So that was a huge problem. You were competing against the government and you were competing against people's inherent drive not to want to work. Nobody really wants to work. So when given the opportunity, they're going to stay home because that's the, the, the path of least resistance and the easiest path. Um, but what I find from a, a perspective of as an employer is I see there's, there's a generation of no consequences. And when I say that, I mean, um, you have an entire generation of uh, adults being raised who are still for, you know, not entirely for their own fault, but, uh, not not going out on their own or living on their own in apartments or having liabilities or 
having families at a young age or mortgages or all of that, they're all living at home. So the, the inherent problem with that is if they get up in the morning and decide, I'm not going to go to work today, there's, there's, there's still a meal on that table at the end of the day. There's still a roof over their head. Their cell phone bills are still paid. Their car still has gas in it. There's no incentive for these younger generations. It's not everybody, but it's, it's, a, it's a large problem. And there's no incentive for these guys to go out there and be like, oh, I have to work because if I don't, I don't have a roof over my head. I don't have money in the bank. I can, they, they just stay home at, at mom and dad's. And I literally had a call, call with a guy once where his mom called in sick for him. And I said, well, where is he? Why can't he show the respect to calling in sick himself? She's like, oh, well, he's still asleep. And I was like, you, you, like, you have He's to be 40. able to see you have to be able to see that what you're doing for your your child you're not giving them a good example if you're giving them an out our jobs as parents and i have two little boys uh, who's uh five and two my job as a parent is to make sure that those boys are the best versions of themselves they know how to work hard and they know what it means to earn a paycheck and what money's worth and also as my mother said smash their plate at 18 and get them out because that's the only way they're going to learn. And uh, when you have a liability, when you have people who rely on you, it's incentive to work hard. It's incentive to go the extra mile and do the things you don't necessarily want to do because it's a means to an end. Amit, saying the, seeing the same things in your business? Definitely. I agree 100%. I, I find that, you know, the young guys that come in and like, uh, like Corey said, that have, you know, a roof over the head and a meal to come home to, whatever they whatever they make here is just a bonus. And I find a lot, you know, we bring in shippers, cutters, whatever it is, just general uh, labor. And I had one guy a couple of weeks ago come in, come to his station. No, this is not for me. Within 10 minutes, he punched out. I was like, give it a day, give it two days, you know, give it a, try it out. No, 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 it's, it's not for me. Nothing we can do. That's like, unfortunately. There's no consequence. And, or they no, come in and they're demanding, I want x amount of dollars an hour and it's like dude i don't even know you i had that as well i, I trained the guy one month on a, on ig line to pull whatever it is to pull some units off the line after two weeks he comes to my office he's like you know if i don't get two dollars raise tomorrow i'm not coming i said see you later because wow. you know yeah. what's gonna happen you give him a raise and then in two three weeks or a month they're gonna come back yeah and it just spirals through your shop too oh, you can course, leverage you can leverage your job for a raise and it's it's yeah. it's awful it's not really the problem of the kids of like a lot of them can't afford to go out, not because they're not working, just because you're seeing $2,000 a month for two bedrooms. It's mm-hmm. expensive, but like, I, I don't know, Corey, Corey and I were both out. Like I was 17. I left, didn't go home. I didn't want to go home. Once you get the taste of freedom, you don't want to go home. Um, but you just don't see it anymore. Like I, most of my friends, they were 24, 25 when they left home. And some of them, their parents were doing their laundry for them still at 25 years old. It's like, dude, come yeah, on. I got, a couple, I got a couple of those too. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, Hopefully they don't a... listen to this. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. Maybe. It's, uh, it's yeah, a good right. thing for us. Uh, our HR used to tell me, oh, we're packed with interviews this afternoon. And I see the, the office was empty all afternoon. And I was like, what's going on? And then the HR is like, yeah, we booked an interview every 15 minutes, but no one showed up. So we now book about four to five interviews at the same exact time. 
because we figured about only 15 to 20 percent of people show up for interviews and i told my hr person like if ever two come at the same time i'll do the second one myself i don't I, i'll gladly do it but it never happened um but with regard to this i i, I really see my my perspective and i'd like to know if uh, what you think about it but I, we have a lot of guys that are 20, 30 years experience in the shop that have been with us for 30 years. And all of their kids have all gone to university or higher degree education. Um, the, 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 the father to son manufacturing worker is not a very common thing anymore um, with, with some extent exceptions. But I, I really feel like the, the, the manufacturing industry is suffering from um, There's a lot of people going to higher education, leading to more um, skilled jobs, I would say, and meaning that the the, the incoming, uh, I mean, lower salary people in the manufacturing industry are either new 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 immigrants or that are desperately looking for a job and really need a job, and they're the hardest worker you can find. Or sadly, kids like you've been talking about that do not go. I mean, have. But <laughs> but it, it's really you you the, I feel the the good skilled workers that don't at school aren't isn't for them now go work outside um just glaziers like um, an exterior glazier now makes so much more money and you can almost glaze 365 days a year now so they can do that until they're 40 45 and it's it's a much better income than working in a manufacturing plant for sure it it has different I mean it's not the same job at all but it, it's I think there's the the whole I used to have, I actually have people that their father worked for us and we don't, just don't see that anymore. Everybody's son's gone to a higher education and an office job, um, which means that we're, we're left with new, new immigrants that are, again, amazing workers. I, I, I can't tell you how much I, I love our team. We have a, about 15 Colombian guys. Um, I just, they're, they're the hardest working people I can find. And then we, I mean, more People have been in, in, the, in Canada for more than three generations. The ones that we have, that we are in a manufacturing plant are just, they're not interested in working. They're just there for a paycheck. And yeah. that's leading us to put every role or position to a more standardized, you do this and that. And it's more of a production. Like we, don't, we don't teach them how to, what, what, what they're doing, why is it important and what does it lead to in the production line they're just do this and this is how it's done and don't ask why but just keep on doing it and it, it forced us to standardize roles and positions in the manufacturing line that sadly doesn't teach them the full spectrum of how the ig is made or the glass is made but you get a lot of um like i know my generation we were all pushed go to university you go to college you don't go into the trades trades was frowned upon when you were in high school my mom would always sit there and she's like you don't want my job Blake you don't want my job I want a better life for you and I'm sitting back and I'm like mom you're 58 years old and you retire tomorrow that doesn't seem so bad to me <laughs> and uh and I was like you work in an office she's like, and she's like, I've had the stress of business and I was like I get that but you get pushed university that's the route I went and once I was in university I was like okay let's go to this side now um but it's hitting on your point Vincent that the people that are going to university they're second third generation in this country their parents were the hard workers and now their hard worker parents are sitting there going child don't do what I did go this route I've seen it it's easier 
And so they push all their kids to go that way and universities are just accepting them. And then they come out looking for an $80,000 desk job or whatever their industry is. And then you get all the new citizens coming in, new immigrants coming in, and they're willing to do the work because their visas that they're here on are dependent on it. And they're dependent on having that job, going to work every day. They want to bring their families over. So they have to work and earn enough money to do it. And you're seeing them are be extremely hard working where we, it's just better than the third generation, exactly what Vincent was saying. It's just better than the third generation employee. Yeah. Here's one for you. What I'm seeing in a lot of shop floors more and more are the ladies uh, working there. Uh, and I think they're harder workers. Uh, what do you guys think? I have a fiance. I'm not willing to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree for sure. When I joined, yeah. I think we had one female throughout Regal, HPG, whatever company it is. And now I go on the floor and I see in, in the cutting area, the tempering area, one of our production managers that started in tempering, been with us for six years. She's a, a female, of course. Um, and she's one of my, I don't want to say one of my best, but one of, you know, and it's, I don't know if hard worker, but I feel like they have a different mentality and then they come smarter. in with a different perspective. Smarter, not harder. Yeah. It's a, it's a more constant, for sure. constant volume of production, which I think amounts to more or or the same as for sure, where a Monday is as fast as a Wednesday and it's as fast as a Friday. And I see more with, with guys a Friday where a Monday is often slower. Um, it's a more regular and also it's it's harder on tools. It's uh, easier on tools. A lot of tough material tends to break less. Uh, I say sometimes guys, they, they go a little harder on tools and they break them. Um, and it, it, I, I've heard this story about a mine in Canada. I think they, they decided to employ only, a, it was a female only mine. And they realized that like pickup trucks would just break like two times less because they would just wow. not drive like maniacs in the mines. Um, and for us, we've increased, I think we have 60% women now in the shop and it's, it's, it's just, honestly, it's great. It's, it's a, just a more constant and a more efficient production line to me. Yeah. Corey and I are in a small town. We used to have one or two women in our shop. Now we don't have any in our shop. They've moved on to different careers and whatnot. So we don't have any, but. For us, we, for us, we find that they're biding time until they get the job that they want more like, like, it, sheet, sheet metal fabrication is still a very much male dominated industry. Yeah. Um, I, I speak from my experience and, you know, experience mm -hmm. being in this long enough, like it's still very much a male dominated thing. Not to say that, you know, women don't have, get success in it, but in my experience, it's the, they're biding time to get to the jobs that they want rather than stay in a grimy, disgusting shop hauling essentially scissors all day. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, and there's, there's, a lot of heavy lifting there, which some women can do and others don't want to do that. But you know what? I, th I think the word we're looking for here is conscientious. Uh, yes. They, uh, there, there seems to be a, like Vincent is saying, a, a better dedication, you know, sort of to the task in a more consistent basis. Right. It's uh, anyways, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go off into generalizations, but it's just, I, I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted to, uh, to collect your guys' uh, observations on that. Cause you know, you're going to hiring these people.
You're gonna get us in trouble. Look at that. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) In front of the TV. Oh no! No. The whole ball game. Oh no! I have to watch the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) I bought this couch. It's comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're all used to it. Um, The uh, okay. Let's let's uh, let's get to the next one. uh, future predictions for the future, uh, uh, based on, uh, on, on, on what you guys have seen based on what you want to mm-hmm. do with your company. Um, where do you, wh- where, where do you, where do you see this industry, your company, uh, the things that you do going in the future, how's it going to change, uh, what's coming up, Vincent, start us off because I happen to know you're working on a lot of very innovative stuff over there. Yeah. I mean, for us, the future is going to be about, more specialized products, uh, high-end products, um, especially for the glass. And we're not manufacturing regular IGs, but more oversized jumbo glass, laminated glass. As you mentioned earlier, bird glass. Um, I I think, and that's my two cents, that people doing high-volume residential glass that are non-tempered are going to have a tough time. Uh, I see the industry consolidating a lot uh, for me. those are going to be tough times, but the ones that have specialty products will definitely raise and make uh, a good buck or two for sure. Um, but I see the overall industry going, it's going to slow down, but it's going to persist and be good. Construction is cyclical, but I still think that we're not going to see a very low cycle anytime soon. But again, we decided to specialize in products that are more of a niche, uh, but that are uh, less volume, but more special specialized. Right. Right. And, and, you know, though, I think, I think that's probably a good decision, right. For the, for, for the industry, because I mean, if you look ahead, uh, 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 you know, healthcare, uh, constant booming demand, um, people want to do all kinds of different things with their residences obviously the energy like like you see what i'm saying there's all these sub niches that 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 you can hit with that you can hit with products whereas you know in the past it was kind of you know well a uh, uh, glass is glass is glass and uh and that's what you get i also forgot to mention that um, energy efficiency values are always going to stay important but something's going that's going to come up pretty soon is going to be the carbon neutrality of your product meaning how producing the, whatever you're selling has an impact and is it carbon neutral or not? And there's going to be a whole data to show meaning is that did that took a lot of energy, uh, I mean, fossil fuels to produce and that will be looked at, which right now is not like looked at as much as energy values are. Um, so carbon neutrality within whatever we're producing will be looked at and we need to get ready for that. And that's going to be real fun if they find out that uh, making it tight and making it energy efficient actually uses more embodied carbon than the uh, <laughs> than, than doing it the other way. That's going to get that's going to get very interesting very fast if if that comes out. I don't think it will, but you never know. Blake, uh, uh, same to you. Agree with uh, agree with Vincent's projections. Uh, anything to add? Um, I do agree with the slowdown impending. Um, I, I think that I, I said it a little earlier in the podcast that I think we're going to be seeing uh, everything being built up instead of out, 
which means more curtain wall, more, more of our products are being going to be required, um, especially in the GTA. I think it's just going to explode because the cost of people going into a condo and you get when you're in the condo you're it's less responsibility that you have so it's a more desired situation Corey hit it on the head where it's the path of least resistance um so i think that you're going to see a lot of that building up happening throughout everywhere um which is going to cause a lot more orders to go through in regards to our facility it's Corey and I scratch our heads all the time of how can we get more out of what we got? And uh, I, I don't really know. I'd love to sit there and go, yeah, let's double our size, double the orders. But I think Corey would go bald with stress. <laughs> um, plus, you know, the bank doesn't like when you do that. But uh, I, I don't really know. It's tough to find out what the future is going to hold. I just hope that it's way better than the last three years. Right. Amen to that. And I think you're going to see a lot of automation. Yeah. Yeah. Because because this industry's this industry's been a little slow on that. Uh, uh, other yeah. places that do, uh, although construction generally is 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 slower on that. Really, in 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 all in all the supply chains to the construction, there's uh, there, there's always been sort of a, a a poor productivity thing relative to other industries, especially you know, automotive stuff like that. But um, yeah, you, you, you think there's going to be a, a growing interest in, in, in automation there, Blake? I, I, guess there in I guess there has to be. Manufacturing right? aspect. In the yeah. manufacturing aspect, I think there will be. Like you're going to get into, for us, it's panel vendors and um, just the streamlined production going through our shop, automated type aspect to it. Um, in regards to glass manufacturing, I don't really know. I can't really speak to that aspect of the industry, but I can just speak to the metal fabrication aspect of the automated system is um, costs more at the start, but it could save you in wages and mistakes and stuff like that. But you also lose the customizability. Well, fortunately, we have a guy here who can speak about the glass uh side unfortunately more 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 automation more productivity in glass manufacturing i i hope so i would love to see it and i would love one day to open up a facility that's i don't want to say no employees but you know minimal more if you guys have seen in europe they're opening up these like mega facilities that go from cutting to seaming to tempering with without touching a, a buggy or a dolly uh, here I see new factories open up and unfortunately they're not going that route. You know, they're going the, the same old route that my father and, and their guy's father built. Um, just hire more and more employees. Hopefully one day I can uh, do this and I'd love to have you guys over for a tour. Um, but in terms of glass, I see more, you know, when I joined uh, HPG, it was more three on three, four on four mil, one inch overall thickness. Now people want uh, a better STC rating, so they want more laminated glass, eight on eight, six on six, uh, tempered, more, more processing to it. And I feel like some companies maybe won't keep up because they don't have the machinery to, to produce it. Um, and some guys have to invest into, you know, they're going to be forced to invest into, unfortunately, to these machines to be able to keep up with demand and to fulfill, fulfill their, their orders and customers. 
some of the Europeans are really keen on uh, on 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 thicker uh, units too. Uh, I mean, you think um, did you think it'll ever go beyond the? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into more beyond the interquarter here in uh, in in North America. Yes, for sure, for sure. I'm I'm producing right now. You know, I see year over year that triple units are yeah. are are growing. Um, we have customers in, in the U.S. and in Canada and Saskatchewan. We just did a building that they did a triple. It was one in one in three quarters. You know, wow. Five six years ago, you never would have seen this. It was uh, a one inch over overall or seven eighths overall. They they want better performance and the, bu- it's the go- building codes are going to bring triple a lot more often than you're seeing currently. Exactly. Um, because curtain wall manufacturers don't have the curtain walls needed to make that requirement for the for the new building code. And, and this, this point brings again the fact that we're seeing more processed glass that is more expensive and less three, three easy basic stuff. And with interest, it, it's a double-edged word with interest rates on machinery plus, um, I mean, rent, like industrial rent is crazy high. Some people will have a hard time if they don't adapt to more high-end or difficult product with a bigger margin, for sure. Um, it, it, we can't make in Canada basic high volume and cheap under high interest rates and very high rents as well with high uh, labor labor uh, labor fees. Um, so for sure, it needs to become more specialized and leave the high volume, cheap stuff to uh, overseas. Hmm. Corey, I'm going to come at you. Uh, I'm going to make you talk about something slightly different on the same topic. Uh, future, since since this is your particular passion, uh, future of the labor supply. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know, Monty here in Ontario, uh, McNaughton, the the labor minister, uh, and uh, and 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 the government here seem to be trying to do a lot to encourage uh, uh, apprenticeships and skilled trades and, and and getting more people into that and everything else. Uh, uh, do you think, I don't know how much of that you've looked at, but I mean, I mean, do, do you think that route will work uh, or, or is there a change you can suggest that, that, that would, that would make it get a, get a better supply of, uh, of people to work in our, in our companies? Um, what I honestly think is going to happen is what is already happening is uh if you look back at the history of Canada and the history of kind of the North American kind of family unit and stuff like that, generation after generation, the, you know, you, you, you strive to do better than your parents. You always did better than your parents and your parents always worked to give you a better life than they had and so on and so forth. But I think what's happening is we are, we as a, as a country, as a culture in North America or whatever you want to call it, um, we are heading straight on into a, we may be the last generation that sees, you know, any type of kind of wealth handed down from the one above us. Uh, And that's, that's, that kind of hits back to the points that we had is like, there's, there's not, there's a lack of drive to work. There's a lack of drive to do the hard things and the things that are a means to an end. So I I kind of think that there's going to be a natural kind of reset uh, that's going to happen. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's going to be, this generation that happens where the generational wealth that's left down to here. And then there's no more, it it dries up on the next one. And the next one is going to have to work hard again to kind of live in the same kind of level of comfort that their parents did. 
And that, that I think is naturally just what's going to have to happen because we've got an entire kind of group that is not willing to do the hard work or is willing to walk in and go up to their station and go, yeah, this isn't for me and just go home without any idea of what the consequence of that is, or the I'm taking money out of my own pocket or yeah, I have to do the dirty job on the floor because one day I'll be sitting up in the desk in the office. Like, like there's, there's no connection between the two. Yeah. I don't want to do this now, but I want to do that. And it's like, well, you have to do this to get to that. And, um, I think you're you're naturally going to see that have to occur when there's no wealth to be passed along anymore. It's going to dry up. So probably in the next 50 years or something there, I, I think there'll be a switch. And I think there's also going to be a major draw into the blue collar jobs because there's such a shortage on workers that it's going to become a very lucrative industry to be in as a, as a worker versus the last 25, 30 years, it was very much, lower wage jobs yeah and, and that and that's something that's been so slow for the the teachers and the and the educators to pick up on is uh you know university is not for everyone and uh and and just because it isn't uh doesn't mean you're 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 stupid and it doesn't and it certainly doesn't mean you're going to be poor uh and uh that you know that there just hasn't been enough uh, enough emphasis on that i think in a lot of ways i, I mean if you were talking to uh, a young person these days um what uh what would you tell them about uh the architectural glass business as a career option what what what, what would you tell them that might might give <laughs> them a different nothing perspective? Into it. <laughs> <laughs> um stay out <laughs> yeah no i I would tell them it's it's amazing, but of course has its ups and downs, just like any any profession. I think also at schools, at colleges, universities, whatever it may be, that they should have more programs. You know, I was I was in Europe uh, a month ago for for Germany for a, a glass show, um, and I spoke to some guys there, and they said in, in the colleges there they have programs, you know, for maybe not for glass, but for for our industry. And I find here we're always you know late to the curve. They should do more for you know CNC uh, operators and and mechanics and engineers. It's it's unfortunate where I feel like we're always late to the game and and maybe it's not the the young guy's fault. You know, it's they don't see it as a career option. It should be more uh, educated. I believe that it's it is an option and and like you said, you're not you know we we all I believe have a, a good life and my employees have good lives and as long as you work and put the hours in, there's room to grow in any any of our companies. I'm sure. Yeah, the European uh, industry that not a lot of people know about, right? Like, exactly. We started out, not a lot of, unless you're in this industry, not a lot of people know about it. How many of you um, guys try to explain to your friends what you do? Oh. Are they looking to come crazy? Yeah. I, I sit oh, there you make like, windows? Anything, anything that's, well, that's what they always sit there and they go, oh, you make windows. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I make the stuff around it. I make the stuff in the window. Yeah. Tell them always. That and they go, and they go, that's, an, that's an entire job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll sit there and like, yeah, okay, let me put it. I was like, I'm a metal manufacturer. I was like, so I'll walk outside with them. I was like, you see that bus stop? It has something around the glass around the top. And they're like, yeah, I, was like, I make it. Yeah. I was like, same with that building, that building, that building, that building, and that building right there within view. Yeah. So not a lot of people know about it. Uh, just, Tell the younger generation, come work for me, please. <laughs> that's be more educated. I think that that's the gap. Yeah, they, it, I think it's um, it, 
the the, the European system uh, is, is an interesting example of me because uh, uh, you know mm-hmm. you you can start out getting a trade there and end up with a PhD. Uh, uh, like they have it, they, they, they have roots for that through the, through the, exactly. through the university mm-hmm. system. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable really. And, you know, that's, that's why if you could ever, you know, find a Rosenheim German engineer to come work at your plant, you're, uh, you're in pretty good, uh, you're, you're a happy person. Uh, for sure. you know, although you gotta, you gotta pay them. Vincent, uh, uh, <laughs> same thing to you, uh, 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 young people, how do we get them into it? Um, I was just going to piggyback yeah. on the, the German uh, German point. Uh, one of our suppliers is German, and they have actually a mechanical engineering bachelor in Curtinwall. So wow. they have about four guys that are 24 years old with a bachelor in Curtinwall. And I'm, I, every time we go there, like, whoa, you guys are like on another planet. Um, I really feel like, especially a young engineer or bachelor, someone that got out of university i mean the glazing industry is not full of people with degrees or there's it's an industry where someone young can grow really fast and go up the ranks really fast compared to other um, trades within the construction industry um i really feel any of our company if we had a young guy that's 25 and super driven would go up the ranks crazy fast um and that's something that again nobody knows people don't really know about it but it's it's a really a big industry too. And I really think the young generation should look into it for sure. Yeah. That also implies loyalty to the company. Like if you're good, it's, it's great if you want to uh, come into the industry, but the company that brings you in with, if you're a good employee, 25 year old guy who's gung ho or girl who's gung ho, stay with that company and they'll treat you like gold. Yeah, it really will. It, it really will. It really will come around. Listen, guys, I've had you on here for an hour and a half and uh, and uh, I, I could go longer. But uh, I think uh, I think that's probably all everybody's going to have patience for out there. But uh, really great discussion. Uh, uh, thanks so much for uh, for joining us here and, uh, and and giving us all the insights. And uh, I think uh, I think people are really going to uh, going to enjoy hearing what you've all had to say. So uh Vincent, Blake, Corey, Amit, thanks for joining me on Glass Talk. Thank you. Not a problem. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.